Apple celebrated Cinco de Mayo by releasing the first two episodes of its dystopian series Silo. The show is based on a group of novels by Hugh Howey and is set in a world where generations of humanity have been quarantined from a toxic planet and live by one cardinal rule, never say you want to go outside. On this podcast, we discuss the most recent installments of a different series every show. It's May 11th and you're listening to today's episode. Let's talk about Hugh Howey. He's the one that has ran all these books that the show was based off of. Mm -hmm. And before he was even a author, he worked as a roofer, yacht captain, and audio technician. And in 2011, he wrote this short story called Wool. He didn't think it was really going to be that big. It was published by a small publication. Yet by 2012, he was already signing movie deals with 20th Century Fox, while also having talks with Lionsgate. That's how starved Hollywood was of original content. (laughs) It was like 10 years ago, even, they were like, we need anything that you can give us. Well, the weird thing is, is that he signed with Simon & Schuster to distribute wool to retailers, but he also was really prominent. Like, he really wanted to keep the rights to his story. That's smart. So he was still able to sell it online. And is he an executive producer on this? His yes. name pops up a couple of times. Yes. So he did retain some form of, like, control. Yeah, I mean, you always have to be an executive producer if you're going to be the one who wrote the books that show is based off of. But he also is a producer in and of itself. Like, he was even doing interviews with Graham Yost for this show. He actually has a part in it, it cool. seems like. But yeah. I'm really interested because I actually don't know that much about the plot. Oh, you don't know about the plot? Yeah. All I'm going to be talking about. Normally, we go through our pros and cons and all that stuff. This show is pretty packed with information in these first two episodes. And I, forgive me, but to understand it, we really have to take a few minutes to just describe what's going on. The show tells a story. Do you want me to do it right now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. The show tells the story in a nonlinear fashion, out of order. And so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I compliment it on doing that. And I'm sure the books did it the same way. But that's like a creative note that I can't like translate over. Basically, because it, it, it spans like three and a half years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three and a half years, I cannot tell out of order and make it make sense. Humans live in a fallout shelter that's been drilled deep into the earth. Every floor or level has the same design. There's a cafeteria, a sheriff's office, a food mart, a housing uh, station, and like a big auditorium. Huh. But the upper floors uh, house the affluent, like the mayor, and the lower floors are more dilapidated. There's cracked concrete. You can see things are kind of wearing down. It's the platform, basically. It's a Netflix uh, movie, The Platform. It's like The Platform, or it could be like Snowpiercer. There's a lot of shows that kind of... or, or dystopian universes that kind of exist in the same way it's or even expanse really uh it's made up of the working class this lower floor that do manual labor and they keep the generator running totally there's 144 levels in the silo a winding staircase is the main means of travel they don't have an elevator many of the rooms particularly the cafeterias on every level are outfitted with these huge screens that display a blurry image of the outside right outside the front door that it has a camera perched and it's able to show you just the immediate landscape and it's very blurry because no one's cleaned it in a while. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> so everybody can constant, constantly see the toxic environment that exists outside and it kind of keeps them um, uh, obedient to be like, oh, we can't leave. Do we ever know what the cataclysmic event was? was I think it? it's some form of toxic fallout or radiation and there might be hints in there as to exactly what it was, but I don't think that we got an exact answer quite yet. Okay. Um, despite the view though, there are people who want to leave. In fact, 140 years earlier, there were a lot of people who wanted to get outside. 
but history is written by the victors, so no one knows exactly what happened 140 years ago, but the rebels are blamed for destroying all the historical information and wiping out all their computers so that there really isn't a lot of data that anybody can trust, and no one's alive to really say what happened. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So every year, the community celebrates that day that the rebellion ended as Freedom Day in commemoration of those who were lost and also the freedom that was retained. So the mayor comes up every like Freedom Day and tells a uh, State of the Union type speech and everybody applauds and, and it's a big old day. Let's talk about episode one now. <laughs> so we have Allison, Rashida Jones. Uh, she's a 38-year-old computer technician. Now, I think Rashida Jones is like closer to 50 than mm-hmm. 38. But uh, her husband, Holston Becker, is the head sheriff of the upper floors. So he's got a good gig. They have a nice little place that they've carved out for themselves. Given the finite resources, though, in the entire community, the birth rate in the colony is studiously regulated, which means that Allison and her husband have been granted a window of one final year to get pregnant until she has to put the birth control back into herself. And this isn't their first rodeo. So the birth control, the contraceptive, is this medieval-looking implant that goes directly into her leg. It looks like this it's it's pretty gross. It's like this metal pill that like the doctor can extract yeah. from it, and that's what he does at the beginning. But then they get back down to business and they start having sex all the time, trying to get pregnant. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there it's, it's it's ma for sex yeah. and language. Wait, I think. but well for violence too. And right? violence, but yeah. I don't think we get a lot of violence in the first episode. Months go by, no dice. Allison is dismayed. That's when a bizarre woman named Gloria pulls Allison aside into her apartment and says that Judicial, the ominous group that works outside the law, supposedly has an agenda not to let critical thinkers procreate. Judicial is like Big Brother. They're, they think there's like hidden cameras everywhere. It's led by Common. <laughs> I think his name <laughs> yeah. in the show is Sims, but we barely see him. He's only in the second episode. I was going to say, a, just a little bit. He talked about his appearance and he was like, yeah, he didn't really know about his role that much because in the first two episodes, like you're saying, you see him for only a short while. But he's listed in the credits and I think he's a main character, so he's definitely going to come about later um but he's not playing his john wick type character he's not even he doesn't seem like a nice dude um so anyways judicial doesn't like question askers they want compliant obedient people to pass on their genes so allison is disturbed by this that she can't get pregnant and it's probably because of judicial but it's not until freedom day when she gets sent on a special tech support case that she really starts to question the silos motives the man that she goes to see and help is named george wilkins and he's been trying to get and reach out to her for a while now, but he didn't want to raise any suspicion, so he could never ask for her specifically. She had published an online article, or what their version of online is. Their computers are a little wonky. They're like the old 70s type computers or the kind in the Fallout games, um, where it kind of tells you how to retrieve memory files from like uh, broken hard drives and stuff. And uh, he had used that, printed it out before it had been taken down by Judicial or or her bosses. And uh, he calls her and he had found what is he thinks is to be a relic. Now, a relic is something that predates the war, the 140-year war. And like I said earlier, everything had been destroyed. But now, if you're found with a relic and you don't turn it in and you don't have it destroyed, you can be sent to the mines, you can be kicked out of the colony. So what does having the relic, I guess, do? Basically, it's information sometimes. Some versions of relics we see later on are just like the Statue of Liberty, a little doll, the statue, a Pez dispenser, um, a badminton piece. So that's where the Pez dispenser comes into play. But like a red level relic is something that's really bad to be caught with like old 
hard drives because that gives you information. So they have this old hard drive and he tries to crack it with her and it takes them a while. But once they do, all these files load, these old blueprints, these old historical documents, educational information. And you can tell if anybody sees that they have, especially her husband sees that they have this information, he'll have to turn it in. But Allison, after a little cold feet, comes in there and she's looking at all the files with this George guy and they ignore this huge file, 837 megabytes. It's a video file, but until the very end of the day and then they're like, you, you think we should check this one out? And they're like, yeah, we'll check it out to end the day. <laughs> so they click on it and it's a video of the Jane Carmody cleaning in year 97. So year 97, I think, was close enough to the 140-year war or the war that happened 140 years ago where we can determine that they've been in this silo humanity has for around 237 years. Does okay, that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, but what they see in the video is shocking because it's a video of the outdoors, but there's birds chirping, there's lush grounds of green, uh, there's a big old tree there that seems to be happy. So it looked like nature was in a good place. It looked place. like things were thriving. And so that's what really throws Allison in a loop and she comes up with a theory but the cleaning like i was talking about that it was called the jane carmody cleaning so the only time that cleanings happen are when the person asked to leave the uh colony and then they have to grant that and they kick them out and then everybody watches as they die on camera because they just walk out there into the environment and they just collapse they only last a couple of seconds okay. yes yeah. but she thinks that that is all photoshopped or like the judicial is <laughs> video funny. editing in like a cool way or something but like that everybody turns around and tries to clean the camera because everybody wants them to see how cool the outside is and how right. ready it is to leave even people who say i'll never do the cleaning clean the camera because they they think that everybody will see the truth mm -hmm. but that never happens so she asks she well first she cuts out the birth control in her leg the real one to try to prove to her husband that everything has been a scam a ruse to kind of that she was never going to get pregnant and so he finds her really pale and bleeding from the leg and he runs to get a doctor and by the time he gets the doctor and comes back she's in the cafeteria screaming i want to leave this is all fake blah 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 can, now wait, this is can I yeah, yeah. a quick question here yeah, yeah, so absolutely. all this stuff is going on are you ever supposed to think that her character is just crazy like that maybe what she's actually seeing is real life and she's just not wanting to believe it no I, you don't think that she's crazy like you understand every there's no way that she's just crazy but there's a way that she could be misled mm -hmm. and that gets more into second the second episode but you are pointing out a fact which annoyed me which is as an audience member you can be really frustrated with how allison goes about telling the entire colony or her floor that something is wrong. She has video evidence at this point, and I know it's a relic, so she'd get in trouble for having that, but she also has the, the device in her leg. She's got uh, the sheriff as a husband there is, she has, who has a connection to the mayor herself, and she thinks the best strategy is to act like a crazy woman going into the cafeteria and just screaming about it. Like, I get it's it's a tense situation, but there was a better way of going about that that could have actually convinced more people. Moving on, and her husband also not believing her at that point, when she pulls out that other device from her leg, the doctor basically says, oh, it's just there to be in place of the other, the actual birth control. That makes no sense. 
Why would they need to? It Yeah, so it is kind of annoying that he didn't believe her quite right away. Um, the episode sort of wraps up with her getting wrapped up in a spacesuit. Think Gordo from For All Mankind, where they're literally using like uh, duct tape to Season two. to try yeah. to cut every all the oxygen off from the outside so that she can get out there and breathe for as long as she can before she dies. She gets up there and she tells her husband, if I'm right and this it, it does look beautiful outside, then I will clean the camera. If I just walk away, I'll, that'll be the proof that I'm wrong. She gets out there. She cleans the camera. She walks a few paces. You see her body collapse. And in your mind, you're like, okay, obviously judicial. It, she's 100% right. Judicial has been like scamming everybody and that she's not actually dead, right? right. That's when episode two rolls around. We're dealing with a couple years later, George Wilkins, the guy who had the relic, gets murdered. He had moved downstairs to the down deep, as they call it, one of the lower levels that deals with the generator. And when Holston goes to investigate, he's like the head sheriff of the entire uh, silo. He goes to investigate downstairs. It takes him a day to get there. He goes down there with his deputy. He meets Juliet Nichols, the main character of the show, played by Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, so let me just uh, go back a second. Yes. So when uh, Rashida Jones, when Allison collapses... And she, dies. She's, she's gone. Like, she's not on the show anymore. From what we see in this first episode, we do not see her character again in the second episode. Okay. But we see Holston grieving her, basically. So two years pass. He's met this Juliet Nichols person, and Juliet is convinced that George Wilkins has been murdered and she's trying to convince the sheriff of that same thing. Wilkins was dating Nichols, so that makes it a little complicated. Of course, she's going to want to find someone to blame for it. So originally, uh, Holston is a little bit wary of uh, actually believing her. She takes him deeper into the uh, silo that anyone usually goes up a restricted area where they find the where, where the original drill is there so it's this ginormous drill and they have to climb down all these stairs into where George Wilkins was hanging out and he had a ton of relics in a box and Holston takes a look at them and at first he's like I got to turn these in and then Juliet's like you got to look into these first there's something going on here please and that's when Holston agrees and he's like I'll let you know what I learn but if we're found if I'm found with these especially as a lawman I'm going to be like kicked out of the entire colony so just stay quiet you'll know when the signs are when, when i when i send you a sign and then instead a few months later he just walks into a cell locks himself in there and tells the deputy that he wants to leave the silent <laughs> And so, <laughs> so he gets out too. He wants to follow his wife, Allison. And so they release him. And the thing is that after the first episode, you're fairly convinced that Judicial is playing a game and that the outside is perfectly, uh, like he's about to escape into the reality of the world, right? Are they like Severance? Is Judicial like Severance? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Common is almost like the, um, what's his face's character? The main like security guy yeah, from security Severance. Guard, right. You don't remember his name? No. Neither do I. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so Holston is, the same thing happens to him that happened to his wife a few years earlier. He gets wrapped up. He apologizes to the mayor that he's doing this, but he's like, I got to go see if she was telling the truth. He gets out there and instead of just watching it from the cafeteria, like we saw Allison's footage, which basically we thought was um, being controlled or manipulated, we do see it from his lens a little bit. And when he walks out there, he sees the same thing that we saw in the video that Allison had watched. So he does see the cool tree and the lush environment, but he also sees the exact same birds, it looks like. So in that moment, I'm like, wait a second, is he watching a VR? Like, mm. is his. And so then he takes off, he, he collapses, 
and he cleans the camera and he thinks that everything is okay. He collapses, he grabs his mask and takes it off and that's where we no longer see it from his perspective, we see it from the cafeteria. He crawls up to Allison's body and then dies. So we do have, like the show was nice enough to give us some answers as to um, that he was having trouble breathing. So the outside might still actually be toxic, which was a surprise. Because usually with these types of shows, it was like one twist and that was it. But no, this it, it appears that Judicial might not be 100% lying and that Holston and Allison might actually be 100% dead. I don't know that for sure yet. Graham Yost was talking about how this was a show where you, when you get one answer, you get three more questions. Yeah. Almost like peeling back an onion. Yeah. And I know that even by the end of this series, you're not going to be able to have all the answers. I don't like that you said clear. that. I don't like that you just said that last point where, where they're not going to deliver all the answers because that would be the one reason to stick around for it um, because it is an intriguing premise. We, Juliet is obviously pissed. She still wanted to know about why George Wilkins was murdered and she didn't get any answers for that. So she's complaining. And uh, one thing that Holston did, though, was that he gave the mayor and also his deputy a letter that said, I want her, Juliet, just the random lady in the generated generator department to replace me as the main sheriff in town. And so the mayor looks at that and she's like, oh, my God, uh, I don't want anyone from judicial coming in because the mayor is actually a good person. Huh. But uh, but 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 at the same time, this seems like kind of a drastic measure. I'm going to have to meet this lady. So she's going to go downstairs all the way those 144 floors, even though she's kind of old. Um, but that's not going to happen until the next episode. At the same time, Juliet has gone back down to the drill, back to old George Wilkins old lair with where he kept all his stuff. He, she had kept one piece of information away from Holston. One part that said that George Wilkins had actually found what he was looking for. And that was, I think that there's a door at the bottom of the entire drills thing, which is weird because it's completely down in the earth, like miles and miles and miles. But she goes down there with a huge rope. She like, uh, <laughs> she gets down to the very bottom where there's a, where there's water underneath that goes on for a very long time. She's stuck there on a rope. I can't really explain it, but she's like holding herself up on that rope when the episode ends. And I don't know how she's, she would even plan to climb back up because she's not strong enough to climb back up. She slipped because she was so weak yeah. she couldn't even hold herself there. So she's just hanging on a rope. The mayor's going to go down to visit her, but that's going to be having like a day later. And, uh, and and we just have a lot of questions as to what's going to happen next. She's she's looking for a door, though, so maybe she's going to find that door. We don't know. So did you actually like the show, though? Because you yeah. talked a lot about the plot. Yeah, I did like the show. It defied expectations. The first episode led you to believe that it was something different than what the second episode ultimately gave you but at the same time they were able to set up a really cool world um and it could go down the drain but whenever i see that a show like this is based off a book series it gives me more hope because i know that the book series would have to have more answers and th that would be pre-written unless it's like george rr R. martin where the book series is still going and we don't know where where it's leading well it's actually funny you say that because i believe that the book series is actually still going mm -hmm. but as stated before hugh howie when he was writing the book wrote the first book not thinking there was going to be any future to it so yeah. he kind of gave away like the biggest revelation and then he talked about when he was doing an interview with Graham Yost how they actually had to choose which parts they were going to use because they are already actually filming a second season Great. for this show it's already been renewed yeah I am a little sad though that uh Allison's character wouldn't be returning so she was just a one-off is that I one? I do believe so yeah and I Rashida think Rashida Jones was just like I'll be there for the first episode well David Oyelo he, he also has been like Louis Gaines the butler but also really <laughs> his big role Martin Luther King in Selma yeah I mean like he's a huge actor to get as well yeah 
he does the Daniel Kaluuya thing when his wife leaves. Like, his tears just streaming out on his face <laughs> as he's having to be the one who escorts her out of the uh, vault or whatever. I, I, It's so much related to the Fallout series. Like, if you've even played the Fallout game, and I'm not talking about the PC version, the really famous game, but the kind on your iPhone, where you get to, like, control the the, the little different rooms and people Th- living in it. There's a Fallout on your yes, iPhone? Yes, it was, like, one of the <laughs> most popular games 10 years ago or five years ago or something. But, yeah, that it reminded me so much of that. It also reminded me of Ascension, a series that came out in 2014 that dealt with this big old spaceship that was designed sort of like a silo, where everybody inside was under the impression that they were going to be there. It was, like, their 52nd year in that spaceship. And then they realize, or like a few people realize that they're actually on Earth still and that this is a big science experiment. And so people who leave actually just walk out into normal day. Well, also Um, The Last of Us, right? That's what it seemed like when I was doing. It does seem a little bit like The Last of Us, but I can't even explain why. Maybe the post-apocalypticness. I I know there are some scenes with George where where he does kind of remind me of Pedro Pascal in a weird way. I was talking more about the character death because it seemed like a character could die at any moment. Yes, of course. There's that. Um, City of Ember. Uh, very much like that because people have been living under the earth for a really long time. So, okay, you did bring that up. Yes, because City of Ember, the 2008 not only kids film, but also 2003 book, I had that listed here because people kept on talking about the similarities between those two. Yeah, and and, I mean, again, that one's where people have forgotten over generations what the earth used to be like because they exist underground now. And, well, I think that's actually the twist but uh, of where they are. (laughs) But uh, one of the cool things about that is that there are runners in that book which their job is to just take they're like uber uh, postmates people who just run around and (laughs) deliver stuff because technology is a little different it's kind of like a steampunk universe and in this there are people who are called um ah, man they're called like propters or something like that who do the same job because they run up and down the staircase all day just delivering things they're not as prized as the runners were in city of ember city of ember runners were like the the job to have (laughs) as a kid uh, and then also I compared it already to Snowpiercer because the floors are like the train cars, but the classism isn't as drastically like uh, unfair to those at the bottom as it was in Snowpiercer where they're eating like cockroaches. Um, Severance, because they even mentioned Founders in this show and they mentioned Founders and oh, okay. Severance. And then it also reminds me of The Truman Show where everybody doesn't know what they're trapped in right now. So kind of where where the bigger forces, it seems like, are all fake. All those type of TV shows. Because yeah. that's that, that goes along with what Hugh Howey was saying. He said that he was so inspired to write the first book and the short story. And you because, can see what he's borrowing from, but it's cool that he's done his own little twist on well, it. Well, the main thing that he said was inspiration for it was when he went to Cuba, and he heard apparently from a lot of different media and the American media how like he wasn't going to be accepted in Cuba on his vacation like they weren't really nice to americans but when he actually went to cuba it seemed to be the exact opposite of that like they were really nice people they were all nice to him he loved the place he said it was beautiful and that was kind of his main inspiration for writing the book and also when he signed that deal back in 2012 to make the movie um with 20th century fox they had big names attached you not only had the screenwriter to schindler's list like Mm -hmm. you know people who were very much acclaimed but you also had ridley Scott. Mm. Like he was even supposed to be directed. Instead, he decided to be raised by wolves. 
Yeah. Well, what happened was, I think in 2018, the uh, like after Disney bought Fox, they weren't able to make the movie anymore, sure. and it got shelved. And then AMC decided to pick this. Isn't show that up. weird? Why is this saying it's on AMC when it's actually on uh, what, what Apple? AMC was originally yeah. supposed to do it, and then it just moved to Apple Plus. But their name on. is still on it. Like at yeah, the very I, think end I, of the I think that they're still producing it. I think they still have some part in it. Yeah. But uh, they were even able to get like big directors as well to direct the first two episodes. Episodes. Morton Tildum, he's directed uh, big movies like The Imitation Game and Passenger, so Blockbusters. He also has done a lot of TV shows mm-hmm. and a lot of TV pilots, and I actually wanted to see if you could guess which one he hasn't done out of the four I have here. Oh, okay, so this is like a game. Yes, and these are all pilots that he directed. So give me the names of the sh- movies that he's done before so I have a good basis. Again, Imitation Game Imitation and game. Passengers. He even worked on this film. I'm not even sure if it was an American film, but it was called Headhunters back in 2011. So it's a documentary, and then like a historical or sorry a documentary and then like a sci-fi show so or movie go yeah. ahead okay so the bodyguard defending jacob tom clancy's jack ryan and counterpart one of these pilots he did not direct counterpart i don't know no he actually did do <laughs> counterpart in fact counterpart and uh tom clancy's jack ryan i think he only directed the pilots for those it's actually the bodyguard okay <laughs> i'm glad i was able to actually get you this time um but this is actually not even the only series that hugh howie is working on based off of one of his books that not only has already been renewed for a second season but is being filmed for a second season really now yes he's actually working on a tv series for his other film beacon 23 or sorry for its other book Mm -hmm. beacon 23 and that stars lena hetty as well and it's funny when you take into account that again he wasn't even an author originally this has all just happened really within like the past 10 years for him so it's like a taylor sheridan type thing where he becomes (laughs) this huge uh, screenwriter that's not a bad comparison and graham yost obviously he's worked on so many different things falling skies band of brothers the pacific justified sneaky pete slow horses the americans uh i think he even worked on the thomas jefferson series that tom hanks worked on the rebecca ferguson character i know that she's played the romantic lead in like a lot of mission impossibles mission before, impossible yeah but she's playing more of like a betty gilpin type uh character <laughs> in this she's like kind of the hardcore i'm gonna be like fixing all the engineering problems with a tool wrench and like and angry and stuff like she's not she's not soft in any way well she's taken a lot of these kind of apocalyptic or futuristic things because you not a lot of tv shows though right? not not a lot of tv shows but a lot of movies she's been in life right Reminiscence, Dune, Doctor Sleep, among a ton of other things. Did you like Life? Life was Uh, an interesting movie. No, I wasn't a huge fan. (laughs) Okay. But she's also producing this as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, like. I give it an eight. You give it an eight. Um, That's kind of with uh, a lot of the reviews. It has an 8.4 on IMDb and 91% audience and critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Cool, cool. And I really had a hard time trying to find people that absolutely did not like this show. I I only know that after the second episode, it kind of turns into more of a procedural, but people seem to still enjoy it. Really? Because the full season was given to critics. Like I said, three and a half years in two episodes is a lot to uh, digest, especially since a lot of the first episode was just following Allison so that actually was slower and but like they they were able to get through it without feeling too rushed and uh, the world they presented is just pretty cool I'm sure that there were a few plot holes that uh you can't even tell that are plot holes quite yet because of uh, how many questions there are still remaining there was a camcorder that um I really wanted them to check out it was one of the relics that was in George Wilkins box that he just looked at but they never like tried to get to work or anything and that that I that I really wanted to see 
But uh, other than that, yeah, really good show. I'm going to watch the next episode. I can't guarantee that I'll watch the rest of the series because if it does get a little slower and it becomes a procedural, then I, I don't think I'd be interested. I think I think it's still going to be good, though. I think that this is a show that... Because, again, the critics were all given the first season of it and every single one of them was like, yes, this is something that people should be watching. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye. Bye.